really busy and tied up and balancing both shows. So um, people were incredibly generous with their time and their creativity and it was an absolute pleasure to to co-produce and direct. Oh, I'm so excited to see it in person. <laughs> Another thing you're running right now is Franganistan. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that and what, for example, like a white audience can gain from it? Like what kind of perspective can they gain from it? Sure. Um, well, I like to think that the, the, it's essentially a self-love story about, um, I call it a bit of a coming-of-age twisted cabaret. <laughs> and <Wow. laughs> And yeah, the self-love story was about how I actually developed my inner bogan to survive Frankston. You are listening to Queering the Air and you just listened to Egyptian Fantasy by Sydney Bechet. Um, today we have Janelle De Silva. Hi, Janelle. Hello, Devena. I really want to talk about your YouTube channel, Injustice. Mm-hmm. I, it runs a program called no. Aussie, Aussie Block. <laughs> <laughs> he was, well, he was my saving grace and I didn't know that at the time, but it took 20 years for me to grow him up. And honestly, I met Noel um, <laughs> only about five years ago. Mm. Uh, and, and when I'm like, as in that, that aspect of me came out and when it did, I got, I was quite surprised because it was quite <laughs> offensive really Noel was misogynist Noel was he was the epitome of an Australian bloke <laughs> and with all due respect but you know there was that aspect where he just didn't get what it was to be an empowered woman and it was shocking to think that I had this part of me that I had that was kind of in my unconsciousness and I you know I considered myself to be quite a you know, um, someone who's worked really hard on personally on developing my inner self and particularly growing a strong feminine, but I actually had quite a wounded masculine and that was Noel. So okay. I grew him up and Noel developed and Frank Ganistan was born, which was my decision to commit to my own artistry. Um, after I, uh, I did some work with um, Candy Bowers last year. Ooh. Yeah, and... And that was like a homecoming. I have to, you know, massive shout out to Candy for her work and um, and her decolonizing theatre work. It just gave me a, a framework in which I knew my one woman show or my one person show was going to establish myself and my voice as an artist. And Frank Ganistan is about basically me growing up in white Australia as uh, a woman, a queer woman of colour, and um, and how I was able to survive that. Yeah, that's that's really beautiful. Yeah, and I think a lot of mainstream audiences aren't kind of exposed to the intersections of like queerness and pe- being a woman and being a person of colour and you know the class aspect of as well. They aren't ex- exposed to all those layers. They see even being pretty. left-handed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't talk about that in the show, but, you know, it starts so young, you know, having to, you know, I've bought myself a left-handed bass and it's so hard to learn to find (laughs) anything that can teach you how to play bass left-handed. But, but, you know, once you start to peel back the layers of how you, when you understand intersectionality, um, how many barriers that does create, particularly Mm. for artists. Um, Yeah, I... I use Frank Ganistan as a platform to be able to invite everyone. And and I did, you know, because I put it in the Melbourne Comedy Festival this year, I had a lot of audience come that that, 
just thought they were coming for a laugh and walked away saying, <laughs> wow. Mm. You know, people were saying, oh, I'd ne- I've never even thought about it like that. I never knew what racism would feel like or what it would feel like to be othered. Yeah. Um, so that was a compliment. That was a huge, incredible compliment. I had a lot of white blokes come up to me and go, mate, <laughs> you are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. Um, and you're going to Darwin. Yes, Am on I Monday. Right? Yeah, yeah. On, on Monday I'm going to Darwin and I'll be taking Frank Ganistan up there. Yeah, wow. Mm. I want to see how the reaction is there. I want to tell. Yeah, yeah. Look, yeah I, tell I've, me about it when you finish oh yeah. definitely absolutely i'm looking forward more blokes in darwin i bet than melbourne there's less of a blokey culture here yeah look comparatively i'd uh, say i don't know have you been out in the suburbs much yeah. <laughs> I, I, i'd say it's less cool to be a bloke in melbourne but i think once you go into the regional areas there's more of them like freely prancing around oh yeah look you know <laughs> i think you know australia is built on the back the the, the backbone of blokes yeah and <laughs> I think Aussie blokes are great, you know, like don't don't get me wrong. Like I'm really embraced now that Noel is really out there and doing his thing. I love my blokiness. I think that there's something really <laughs> refreshing about it um, and practical. <laughs> yeah. blokes, are, blokes are practical. Yep. <laughs> um, so blokes have their plate. You're listening to Queering the Air, presented by Devna today. Um, so we have a special guest, Janelle. And now I really want to talk about Janelle's Run, Bitch, Run campaign. You told the Geelong adver- uh, advertiser that this started after a terrifying race attack that saw a teenage De Silva running through the streets of a Frankston hometown by youths hurling racial slurs at her. Is that right? Did that actually happen? Yeah, it did. Yeah. That's yeah. awful. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, look, though, thank you for the acknowledgement. But but honestly, it wasn't a big deal in terms of it was an everyday occurrence. And um, it wasn't until I wrote the poem and used it as a platform for for fundraising that people came forward and said, oh, I didn't know you had that experience, people that I grew up with. and But it was... Yeah, honestly, it was almost like a day-to-day experience. And it, sh- but it shouldn't be so normalized. I'm not saying that what you that your reaction is not accepted, but it's like the fact that it's so normalized, the fact that you can deal with it as as if it's something that's just happened so many times. That's yeah. a bit scary. Yeah, honestly, yeah. And in hindsight, I realized, you know, now that that I am, you know, uh, an artist that is quite outspoken and willing to um, antagonize. I when I wrote that poem, I re- it was just picking out one experience from a whole you know childhood of experiences. Mm. Um, so, but but the way that that this story has um, it you know it, it marries my motivation to raise money for the Kathy Freeman Foundation. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was it was all quite wonderful serendipitous the way that it all came together and why did you start bridging running um activism um yeah why did you why did you think that they were like a good match and like your personal experiences of racism why Mm. were they all a good match um they they work because well it was it just was that experience so run bitch run was was actually an experience of someone calling me Kathy Freeman while I was running. I, they, they were calling me 
mm. many racist slurs, and one of them was calling me Kathy Freeman, and as if that that would be an insult. But that's how ignorant they were. And I never forgot that. I never, you know, and I remember when I was getting chased by them, and there was two people, um, and they were calling me many things as mm. well as calling me Kathy. I just thought, you're so ignorant. You've got no idea who she is or what she does. Like, and so I just turned that around in that experience and, and ran even faster. I just ran. I was like, okay, I'm going to give you Kathy then. And, um, yeah, and, and it wasn't until – so I've run my whole life and I've always – no no big deal, just kind of jogged and stuff – but marathon was on my bucket list, so it was about three years ago that I decided my life was finally out of place because you've got to be kind of organised to run a marathon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not and healthy. Yeah, yeah, it's not. it takes a long time to work up to. So uh, my life was at a place where I could do it three years ago and as I entered into the, my first marathon, I saw that you could raise money for someone. I saw there was Kathy Freeman. I was like, oh, yeah, cool. And so I <laughs> thought, yeah. That will help me get off my bottom and do it every day to, to run. And then that's when I remembered that I had that experience of racism. And so at the time, um, you know, I was working with a couple of poets. I was working quite a lot in the spoken word poetry um, area and <laughs> and I just decided to write this poem. And so mm. and then I shot it and I used the poem as a fundraising platform and – that that poem actually raised twelve thousand dollars for the Kathy Freeman Foundation for that run. That's beautiful. Which was yeah, which was the it was the most that anyone had ever raised for one project, one fundraising project. Mm. Um, so that was really incredible to be acknowledged, and it was great to raise money for them. And I've still and I've not stopped. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, so I'd also like to touch on microaggressions since we're on the subject of race relations. Um, would you say that most of your experiences in terms of racism and discrimination has been microaggressions or have they been structural and institutional? Mm. Or like a mixture of both? It's all, never that simple. All of them. Yeah, yeah. I'd say all of them. And, um, you know, it's as an artist, it has been... Uh, essentially because I started off in commercial, you know, I started off on ABC, but then I went straight into commercial television and I didn't understand that I was up against structural racism. I had no idea mm. really because I didn't realise how racist Australia was. Mm. Um, and I remember kind of talking to my agent about, well, why can't I go for that role and, you know, but – Anyway, so and it's been it, not much has changed. Writers haven't changed. Uh, things are changing, but not much has changed. Um, and it was probably ten years ago that I decided it was time to just create my own, like just step completely outside of mm. of what all of the structures that I'd been. Um, Did you feel like you were ever limited because of the combination of your gender and your race, absolutely. especially in these big institutions that absolutely. you worked for? Absolutely, absolutely. And, um, and, and to be honest with you, I didn't understand them as well. I didn't want to play the game. I understood what the game was to a degree, but I, I knew that there was a part of like the level of work that I would have to do to be even considered, um, my, for my work to be considered. I just felt like it's, if, if my work is going to be called fringe and if, um, 
I'm to self-fund everything, I'm happy to do that. Like, yeah. I wouldn't be more more than happy to do that. And that's what I'm doing now. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm fiercely independent now. and That's good. Yeah, I, I just think Australia say- will catch up at some point. <laughs> And would you say that the general climate of racism and racism has improved in the past couple of years, or would you say it has unfortunately exacerbated? Mm. That's be- it's become more tense and intolerant. Would you say, or would you say it's slowly getting better? Look, since I've been raising money for the Kathy Freeman Foundation, I've had people kind of openly. It's interesting. People have been talking to me like I was white. A lot of people <laughs> say to me, you know. Well, what have you got? Why are you doing this for Aboriginals? You know, they get so much anyway. Um, or are you Aboriginal? Or you know, they, they don't. They've got. They don't even like. It's so. Um, just the running and the fundraising has helped me to see how deeply embedded racism is in our culture, mm. and it has made people. Um, like it's great that people feel comfortable enough to ask me questions because they don't know that they're being racist. Mm. Yeah, and um, so that's just one aspect of how I feel like I experience it and see it on a daily basis. What do you think makes them feel like you are one of them? Is it the accent? Is it is it, is it your understanding of the culture? Is it the way you kind of self present or? Do you like code switch really well? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think that that's why, you know, I found myself in the arts is because I learned how to be a chameleon to survive. Mm. Um, and, of course, you know, that, that desperate um, human instinct to want to belong. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that that – and at the same time, though, being – you know, I, I say the word antagonist um, without – um, you know, projecting it as good or bad, but there is that part of me that is is always going to speak up, always, you know. Um, so knowing that that is a part of myself, you know, I've always tried to uh, refine the art of antagonism, mm. um, firstly creating connection and safety, and often that is, you know, well, the way that I speak, the way that I look, the way that um, – but, yeah, I, yeah, I realised – after, you know, in this process of decolonizing myself, <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, people do talk to me like I'm white. It's really weird. Mm. Um, <laughs> but, I, but, you know, because they don't hear their, their racism until I, br- I bring it back to them. Even, yeah. you know, my, there's, you know, family members and things like that. Um, yeah. Of, yeah. That are not of color that I've that I've been calling out. You know, it's just, yeah, it's that's a very interesting kind of di- dichotomy and dynamic. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to talk about where we can find you online and what other events that are coming up and how people can kind of connect with you and watch your shows. Sure. Thank you. Um, so JanelleDeSilva dot com is probably the great, the best um, platform, uh, and on there then it will say what's coming up and what I'm doing uh, at the moment yeah so I'm touring with Frank Ganistan at the Darwin Fringe and I'm doing I'll be remounting it also for the Sydney and Melbourne Fringe um, but I also just in response to Eurydice's death and um, and also one of my mentors Candy Royale 
um, passed lately. I just feel really um, impassioned to remount for Afghanistan and, and maybe add something to honour uh, artists mm. and, and women and, you know, particularly yeah, particularly women you know, or intersectional artists. I just want to create another platform to celebrate that. So I think that I'll remount for Afghanistan again before the fringe. I've also got another project which is really exciting um, and it's coming up. We're just finalising the uh, dates but it will be a drag king show. <laughs> um, I, I don't think I'll reveal anything more but other than Ooh, that it is going to be... Intrigued. Yeah, other than it's going to be the greatest pop stars that ever lived. It'll be the showdown between the two of them. It's myself and another co-producer. Ooh. Yeah, so it's it's a drag king show. It's going to be fantastic. That's yeah. so exciting. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's the end of our show today. Thanks for coming in, Janelle. Thank you so much, Devaina, for having me. Um, you can find our podcast at 3cr.org.au slash air. Thanks for listening to Queering There. Next up is Hip Sister Hop. And this is our final song, Daydream by Duke Ellington. <laughs>